Hey, hi, uh, I am Richard Donner, but you can call me Dick, and you're listening to Superman Movie Minute? Is that right? Did I do it right? to another exciting episode of Superman 2 Movie Minute, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can flies is 1980's Superman 2, five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I'm one of your hosts, Rob Kelly, and joining me, as always, on this journey through time and space is... Chris Franklin. Hey, Chris, we're still here in the fortress, and we're about to learn some very important information. Yes, yes, indeed, and Lex is very happy to learn about one thing that Krypton didn't have, so. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. Yeah, we're here to discuss minutes 45 through 50. Uh, It opens with Lara explaining something about uh, Kryptonian history, and it ends with a fisherman seeing three very strange visitors uh, to the planet Earth. So, uh, yeah, it opens here with uh, Susanna York talking and explaining to Lex that there is no death penalty, uh, which he, of course, is very, very happy about. And she talks about the three Kryptonian villains. And there is this great little we, – we've talked about in previous episodes about whether – like how much of this Kryptonian technology is magic versus just super high-end technology. But there is this moment here where she says – I wish you hadn't asked me that. And Lex is like, I I didn't ask anything. So clearly this is a very sophisticated recording, but it's not magic. Like she's not literally there. Right. It's it, 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 this definitely, I mean, and you can go by, okay, this is, this is somebody else's slightly different vision of, of, of what, how Krypton and how all this works since it's Lester now and not Donner. Although, you know, the way, I guess, I mean, the way that Hackman filmed that, Hackman would have been interacting with Brando, but now they've got Wow. Susan- I didn't even think about that. You're right. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I've never thought about that this all these years that you're right. He was doing his scenes with Brando and then they took all that stuff out and replaced him with Oh my god, mind blown, Chris. <laughs> I real I literally never thought of that to this point. Oh, that's weird. Wow. Yeah, so I mean, I guess but I guess if if he reacted, I mean, they filmed the shot where he's like, I, I, I didn't ask anything. <laughs> then, then, then I guess that puts a lie to, you know, I was kind of one of the ones saying, well, maybe it is some kind of, you know, spiritual, uh, somehow Jorel still actually does live on. But, uh, but then again, and on another hand, I mean, if you think about, I know we're not, we don't want to get too deep into the Donner cut and when we're doing this, but I mean, you know, one of the great things about the Donner cut is the restored Brando footage and the fact that you actually see, spoiler warning for later, Jor-El walk out of the the, the right. crystal That's thing right. and basically touch Clark and you know give him back his power. So I, I don't. I, it, there's still mud, muddy in the waters here of whether this is advanced AI, like super right. advanced AI that's apparently programmed to like what they think Clark or Kal-El's um questions and like to his personality basically what it's going to be like because you know she's like i wish you hadn't asked me that well you know then kal-el slash clark slash superman would have asked 
uh, that question, or they thought he would have. Right. And with Lex, no, he wouldn't have asked that. So it's still a little muddy. But yeah, I, I, when I, we, were, we were watching this, when I was watching this yesterday, taking notes, I'm like, yeah, he thought he was going to be talking to Brando. <laughs> I, I can't believe I've never thought of that in the 35 years <laughs> since the 39 years since the movie came out. I've never it's, it's never occurred to me before. But, yeah, that's kind of amazing. I love Hackman's read on that line, just the kind of the way he just sort of is amused by himself. I, I, I didn't ask him. He's just kind of very quiet about it. I really love that. And it's kind of funny when you think about that in that moment, that is the only scene – of Gene Hackman interacting with Marlon Brando ever in cinema. Mm. Those two have never been in another movie together. And of course, in the original cut, they have no scenes together. So they didn't, I mean, they're in the movie, but they don't have any scenes, but this is like the only time these cinematic Titans are in the same scene together. That's kind of, it's kind of, that's now I'm doubly sad that that's, I mean, I'm happy that Susanna York gets to do more in the movie because, you know, it's like, she's the mom. She gets, she should be able to do stuff too. Right. Uh, despite what Tom Manko had said, uh, you know, <laughs> the mother sends Dick. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that's a shame. Cause I mean, wow, you don't really get to see acting heavyweights like that generally in the same scene. And of course, now that Brando's gone and Hackman is ostensibly retired, like we never will. So that's what a loss. That's a shame. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I, I think it's even in one of the, um, I, I think it's I think it's in one of the tabloid the Treasury books that I think Hackman says something about you know Brando want, helped uh, he wanted to get into acting partially because of Brando I think it was Hackman that said that so yes I think you're that's right even, yeah, yeah. that even makes it sadder because he was obviously an idol of his and he didn't get to actually we don't get to see him on screen together so. oh yeah that's a shame um, I love during the sequence that uh, while <laughs> Lex is having this very important conversation Miss Tess Walker just wanders away right she's just bored she's just like alright whatever <laughs> she doesn't care like I don't know what she's expecting to find because I think you can see there's not a lot there except maybe the Kryptonian bedroom as far as we know but like it's just sort of funny that like he's she's his essential henchwoman, and yet she just could not care less about this plot that he's you know that he's worth. I mean, I don't know if an alien recording was playing for me. I think I'd watch all of it. I think I'd be pretty interested. Yeah, I mean, you know, sure. I mean, you know, it's like you know, <laughs> I mean, if, if enough people tune into that alien autopsy, you know, special back in the nineties <laughs> with Jonathan Frakes, what Jonathan Fra- oh, Jonathan Frakes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think one thing that that. Uh, Laura says to uh, Lex, she says, you know, about the Phantom Zoners, that they would have the same powers, each one of them, that you have, plus finger lasers, mm. you know, but no. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, a little asterisk, plus finger lasers. Oh, okay, that's fantastic. Uh, I, I um, The other thing I sort of wonder about when I, you know, watch the scene is, of course, she says, we have no death penalty, which – is the movie a little bit kind of suggesting that Krypton is a little more advanced than the Earth because they don't put the death to people? But – and they never really get into this in the movie. They do it in the comic book certainly because we know in the comic book when you get sentenced in the Phantom Zone, you live in the Phantom Zone forever. Like you don't age right. in the Phantom Zone. You stay there forever. We've gone – we've made so many mon jokes uh, <laughs> about how you just stay there forever, right? I would – I don't know, but I think being in a – I don't even know how bad the Phantom Zone is exactly, but to me, being put in a prison cell for eternity, I don't know. I don't think the death penalty is that much worse than that. <laughs> I, mean, all, I mean, your mileage may vary, but it's one thing to be saying, well, we're going to put you in the Phantom Zone till the end of your natural lifespan. But 
we're so much more advanced. We don't kill our prisoners. We just lock them in a in a in a phantom zone for all eternity. Like, oh, well, okay, thanks. I guess. I mean, geez, I don't, I don't know. I think I might want to give me the needle, guys. I, that sounds pretty bad. Right, and I mean, you know, they have called the phantom zone in the comics like a living death before. Right. And, oh. Yeah, you know, and and so I mean, if you think about it, I mean, it's like. The Kryptonians were so advanced and above violence and 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 vengeance and and such uh, such ideas that they basically don't want to get their hands dirty, uh, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> so they're so they're like you know going to just shove you off in this corner so they don't have to think about you anymore. Basically, right? Yeah, yeah, seriously. Uh, and it, you know, but they don't have to have the guilt on them. Although you know they did have in the comics they had a hooded executioner. They would, you know, uh, uh, you know, oftentimes they'd show a hooded executioner, like you know, <laughs> pulling the handle on the, you know, the wok-shaped, you know, phantom zone projector, uh, and uh, you know, so I, I, and one thing, uh, speaking of the comics, it was interesting that she says um, that uh, our scientists constructed the phantom zone, so she doesn't specifically say your father created the phantom zone. Oh yeah, uh, which a lot most of the time in the comics it's Jor-El who discovers. The Phantom Zone, this pocket dimension to send these uh, criminals to. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Of course, Jor-El being one of the head scientists, you can figure he was in on it. But it's it's like they even took that bit away from from Brando. So <laughs> yeah, wow, they re- yeah, they're really out to get him in the second movie. Uh, I, I never thought about it. You just mentioned that that Laura says constructed, which to me suggests that the scientists of Krypton built the Phantom Zone mm. as opposed to the comics where they just discovered it right. and found a way to get people into it. But, I mean, when you say constructed, to me that sounds like the Kryptonian villains – like excuse me, Kryptonian scientists literally built it. Like they were like, OK, we found a way to create this dimension to shoot people into it. I, I mean it's a very minor point, but of course that's why we're here is to, right. to go over these minor points. But the, just to me it was like, oh, that's just a little slight variation that it wasn't like, oh, look, hey, there's this thing that people can't escape from. Also, OK, if you're put into the Phantom Zone for eternity, right? Mm. What happens if you outlive the people that put you there and they all die and no one knows about the Phantom Zone at that point? Right. You know what I mean? Like like multiple generations move on in Krypton and eventually people stop getting sent to the Phantom Zone and some person comes along and he's like, what's this thing? And they just break the projector because it looks like junk. Yeah. You know, you're like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, like it's a little like I would be scared to outlive the people that put me there because they're the only ones that know that I'm there for pizza. I know in the comics that uh, Superman did and I forgot exactly – how the Phantom Zone projector ended up in Superman's hands, like, you know, after Krypton exploded. I, I'm sure Jor-El sent it up in a rocket like he did the monkey and the dog and the, you know, oh, uh, you know <laughs> all these things. Probably another kid that we don't know about, you know. Uh, <laughs> put, put, putting animals in rocket ships to test things is just like, uh, no. I know, I know. It's it's very hard to swallow nowadays. But, but, but anyway, Superman, you know, somehow had the projector in the comics. And he, and it, you know, he and he would sometimes like, well, they've served their sentence for so many hundreds of years or whatever. I'm going to let them out of the Phantom Zone now or something. And they, and then they'd go live in Candor, you know. So, right. you know, I mean, that's that's the thing. It's like, well, you know, I can't I can't have you running around here with superpowers. So you got to go into Candor with the artificial red sun, so you don't have any superpowers. You got to be shrunk down and then stuck in a bottle. Sorry, you know. <laughs> He really, really takes a lot on for himself, Superman. I have to say, yeah. he really does make a lot of very, 
<laughs> very final, very uh, conclusive decisions for people's lives, I have to say. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I know Michael Bailey will completely disagree with me, but to me, best use of the Phantom Zone projector is in uh, Action Comics number 583, the part two of the Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Oh. In, case, in case anybody hasn't read it, I won't say what it is, but to me... That's the best use of the Phantom Zone projector. Oh, I think it again, is. I, I think I, it is the I best know. use. I just I, there you go. What, what happens right. after that is the part of the story that I'm like, ah, I don't. I don't really like. <laughs> I don't like Superman doing what he did. It's awful selfish of him. him. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. that. But I know, yeah, Michael Bailey's like, nice. <laughs> shaking his fist at me. So. Okay, All right, we've talked about the Phantom Zone for a while. So, the, of course, one thing I noticed in the scene where you've got uh, Lex and Miss Tessmacher on the ski ski do thing. This movie has a lot of ADR. Oh, yeah. Like a lot of Gene Hackman explaining things over footage of presumably stunt performers. Right. And, you know, until you know how movies are constructed, when I was a kid, I didn't think about this stuff. And then you get older and you, you learn, oh, the, what they had to do to kind of like Frankenstein this thing together. And you realize how much they had to patch uh, of Lex Luthor explaining things and giving him motivations by just having endless footage of them on, on the ski thing with Hackman coming in later and talking over it. There's so much of it. Well, and I'm not even sure that's Hackman because my understanding was he didn't come back. So I don't even know if he came back to do any of the looping or the ADR. He may have, but I've heard before that's, uh, uh, you know, some of it is uh, a voice double. So Really? Yeah. So my, never heard my, that. my oh understanding my was he didn't come back at all because of them firing Donner. So Wow. I didn't know that boy, whoever did that did a great job. I've never noticed that. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean Gene Hackman's not an impression most people have in their back pocket. You know, it's like Jack Nicholson. Hey, can I do a Nicholson? No, no, it's Gene Hackman. All right. <laughs> How about Howard Cosell? No, we gotta do Christopher Walken, you know, somebody like that that's <laughs> got a certain cadence, you know, but not yet yeah, Gene Hackman. Guys, yeah. Yeah, you know. What if <laughs> Kirk Douglas yeah. was Lex Luthor. Here we go. Okay, all right. <laughs> Miss Dashmarker. Like, no, no, we got to do hack. All right, okay, fine. So, oh, that's, oh, that's, I didn't know that. Well, whoever that unsung performer is, good job, man, because you sound a lot like, a lot like Gene Hackman. Yeah, that, that, um, I've heard uh, Christopher Walk. Imagine three super villains. <laughs> With each with the same powers, you know. That's, you know that's... Oh, I would kill for that cut of Superman. That would be <laughs> that would be just amazing. Oh my god! So, uh, well, now we move over to uh, uh, Niagara Falls, and Clark and Lois are walking around, and Clark is in his giant uh, boxy suit, and I love Lois's outfit her her olive green. Uh, blazer and pants with a pink shirt. It's a bizarre combination, but I love it. She looks very hip to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is where her, she's talking about, you know, okay, I'm pretty sure that you're Superman. And that is the whole, the whole bit here. And she sits on the bench and uh, she, she has her threats. And of course, Clark isn't having it. You know, he's doing his best to, you know, whatever. And then, and then she has the thing about, um, you know, well, if, uh, you know, if I'm right, you'll prove that you're Superman. And if I'm wrong, You've got yourself one hell of a story, which is very funny to me because, A, I don't think that's that great of a story. And, B, I think the last thing Clark Kent would want would be to point attention to people that he kind of looks a lot like Superman. Like, I don't think he's going to write that story. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, this sequence is really – I mean, this is a nice – another nice sequence between them two going back and forth. I mean, there's such yeah. there's such nice body language between them like – uh, you know, when Reeve does that little flying hand gesture when he says, you think 
I'm yeah, yeah. Superman. And, and then Kidder like rolls her eyes at him and smirks a little bit, you know, when it cuts back to her and she's like, yeah, I think you're Superman. You know, that's uh, it. It's just really cute. And I, I think it's funny. I noticed this time that Clark it shows Clark, like looking at the different boats and vessels that have went over the falls and, and, uh, you know, the one that he looks at right when Lois is announcing her plan says, William Red Hill Sr. died May 14th, 1942. Yeah. So I, th- I thought that was kind of like, yeah, this, this she's getting ready to do something really stupid, folks. <laughs> yep. I love Christopher Reeve's little – I mean this is so – in. obviously we, we've seen from other things that he loved to do in other movies. He loves that kind of silly comedy. And when he's running down the, oh. the gang pl- – running down the hall or whatever, the, the uh, walkway, and he's getting in the middle of people and he's got the, oh my god. And like he just loves that nervous Nelly voice that he loves to do. I think he probably just – I think I get like Christopher Reeve just really enjoyed playing that kind of that kind of part. Yeah, this when me and uh, Danny watched this a while a while back when I first we first started doing this, I wanted to watch it all the way through again, of course. And she really got a chuckle out of him being so, you know, nebbish and nerd and nasally with oh my god, and his like knees come together as he's running. It's you know, I mean, it's it, it it's very broad. I mean, it's. Uh, you know, it's just a couple. I mean, it really works here, but it's obvi- honestly a little cu- a couple of steps from how I'm Leiden, you know, the, you know, like <laughs> Gary Lewis almost, you know, I mean, it's but it but it, it really it really does work. And it again, it's like, OK, nobody's what Lois is over the side now and Clark, nobody's around at this moment, which we'll get to that in a minute. But so he's still very much in character as Clark at this point. And you don't oh, get yeah. him. Going out of character for a second is Superman till he does the heat vision trick we'll get to in a minute. So, again, that's that whole – we brought this up in Superman and Superman movie minute, the first movie. It's like how much of this is – you know how, how much is he committed to playing this role of Clark in these movies that he just like – if I'm in the suit with the glasses, I act this way. You know, yep. it's just like, you know. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it, it's just funny that it's, you know – it's our job to overexamine these things as we talk about these movies. And I can't help but think about, yeah, you know, there's, there's nobody to see him not act like that at the moment. So it's really, in a way it's kind of like, Hmm, it, it, he's in deep with this role of, of nerdy Clark. He's, yeah. he's a, he's a method performer. He's committed to the bit. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, yep. Have you ever seen uh, either of the Cary Grant movies, bringing up baby or monkey business? I have seen, I saw, uh, I think I saw Bringing Up Baby years ago, and I know that. Because, I mean, yeah. when, I, when I watch Christopher Reeve do that, like, oh, my God, thing, to me, he's completely doing Cary Grant from those two movies. Because in both those movies, Cary Grant is a nerdlinger. Right. Which, of course, is absurd, because he's, like, the most handsome man to ever walk the face of the earth. But that's, that was something Cary Grant was liked to do, I guess, and was good at. And I feel like that's what Reeve is channeling, is if it's got, because Cary Grant has glasses in both those movies, and he has that kind of just nervous energy and so when i when i see him in this part i'm like yeah he's just totally doing carrie grant which is of course not the worst thing in the world to emulate because it's carrie grant right and i mean reeve has said that he said that's what he he looked at was was carrie grant in those movies so he, he's definitely he's definitely channeling that and and i mean really i mean the portrayal of clark being that far into the kind of nerdy milksop type was kirk allen did that i mean he did he didn't. Oh, right, right, he didn't right. put as much uh, nuance into it as 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 Reeve because those movies are very, very. Those serials are very broad. I mean, Superman 
you know, I mean, Superman's got a big, humongous smile on his face through the whole movie, like, ha ha, I'm Superman, you know, that's, I, which, which is, it's funny, I mean, because it's, it's funny, you got that, and then like two years later, you get the more, much more subtle and nuanced performance of, of George Reeves, who mm. made almost no difference between his Clark and Superman, so, uh, but, you know, it's, it's interesting how the different actors interpret it, but yeah, I think basically, Reeves Clark is, a lot of Cary Grant and just a little bit of Kirk Allen. I mean, in in mm-hmm. in some ways, and it, it of course it as and uh, you know and and we've brought this up before, but it's worth mentioning again. In these movies, Clark Kent reporter didn't have to carry the stories, unlike on TV on both Adventures of Superman and on Lois and Clark: The New Adventures of Superman, where George Reeves and Dean Cain, due to budget limitations and the and the and for Lois and Clark, the the actual nature of the show uh the premise of the show you know clark had to carry the story so they kind of had to they kind of had to not make him uh so broad but here reeves primary objective with clark is to make the disguise work and right he right. does it you know he makes the difference between the characters like huge <laughs> so it worked mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I will say that his plan, which is to knock the tree branch, uses his heat vision to knock the tree branch. Lois, grab the tree branch. That's not a great plan. No, <laughs> that's not a great plan because I mean she's in, she's in the. We see how big this part of the the the, the water the falls is, right. and it's like the width of a river. Yeah. I mean, like you know that really. I mean, I'm presumably that if it didn't work, he would have figured something else out. But he's really kind of letting Lois dangle on a thread there. I mean, she could just drown anyway. Right. Uh, because of the waters gulping in. So, I mean, he, I, I, I guess that's a testament to how much he was willing to protect his secret identity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> willing to take a risk. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it, we're, 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 you know, I mean, I hate to say it, but we're, we're, we're wading into the waters of super dickery here. I mean, basically, yep. you know, because yep. I mean, literally, yeah, literally because he's, <laughs> he, he, he's, uh, yeah, he's very uh, up on keeping his secret identity safe here. I mean, at any point he could have just done it, turned to Superman, or just jumped in after her, or uh, you know, even if he didn't change clothes and tried to help her. But yeah, of course, now we know that he does not move his glasses to use his heat vision. No, he doesn't. He shoots right through them. Yeah, but we know why he can do that, right, Rob? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's because, of course, the glass is made from the glass of his rocket ship. Everybody knows that. Now, how they did that in this movie, we don't know because, uh, you know, the gla- I mean, I guess that thing is nothing but glass. Right. But, 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 but we don't – when it lands, it doesn't – it's all burnt and crumbled like a big piece of charcoal. So I'm not, right. not sure how he did that. But, you know, I, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's – it, it, it does it, you know. But the instant nerd thing. I'm like, okay, I I don't need to explain this because the comics already took care of it. So, uh, yeah, yeah exactly. I I do I do think, you know, overall though, this whole bit with Lois trying to prove that he's Superman. I mean, of course, in the Donner cut, it's like at the very beginning of the movie, uh, Donner's version. But I I think the movie was smart to address this that Lois should figure this out thing head on because. You know, if we're going to buy Lois as a second lead, despite the fact that Kidder didn't get that billing, which she should have, then mm. we need to at least have her question the disguise. I mean, you know, if we're going to buy her as this great reporter and just this honestly a intelligent human being, you know, <laughs> so. Right, yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, this is a fun sequence, and it's one that a lot of, you know, everybody everybody remembers this sequence because it's, it's just, it's a lot of fun. I mean, if you think about it too hard and you're like, yeah, dude, you're. 
you're going a little far with this whole secret identity thing here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I mean, well, Lois wanders into kind of like a little a little cove there, and she gets rescued, and then Clark goes and gets her. And I think it's funny that when he reaches, he reaches down to help her up, she pulls him over, which, of course, we know – she can't physically do mm-hmm. because he's uh, – well, actually, in the comics, he's several hundred pounds. He's like 500 pounds, I think, or something in the comics. But he mentions here that he's only 225, which, again, I still don't understand why that's remarkable. But uh, <laughs> presumably, that's still him playing a part because Lois could not pull Superman over no matter what. So he's he's allowing himself to fall over, therefore completing the disguise as a completely hapless boob. Right, right, yeah. And, and actually, I mean, if you watch that, that's – that's Reeve and Kidder, and I mean, it looks like he's like literally falling into a natural yeah. stream there with rocks and everything. So it's potentially dangerous. So I mean, I, you got to give Reeve a lot of credit. He he did a lot of risky things in this role. I mean, I know that seems like a small one when he's like you know being held over you know thirty feet in the air by wires over like concrete and a junkyard and <laughs> different things like that that he mm-hmm. did over the course of the movies. But still. And somebody could have got hurt really bad, you know, if, if falling in amongst those rocks like that. It is that when you watch these things like this, it makes you realize, oh, that's really him just falling right into that. I don't know if it was necessarily at Niagara Falls where they filmed that, but it probably was. And and uh, it looks, uh, yeah, it, it could it could have been potentially dangerous. But that's he's he's in it for his craft, man. He's all in. So. <laughs> Back then, I think there was a lot more expectation of actors to take risks. And things like that, you know. Nowadays, yeah. I think it's especially with digital effects, like you can just paste somebody's face over anybody, so you don't have to risk the actors doing things like that. But uh, back then, yeah, I mean, again, like you said, it's not a huge stunt, but it's something. I mean, it's a guy that could fall over, he could hit his head. It could, I mean, it's not in a it's not in a, a studio set where everything's controlled or whatever. So yeah, and he takes a good pratfall. Again, we know Christopher Reeve loved doing that, and so. That's uh, and and of course it, it the, the button on the scene where she says you were what I thought was Superman. This is really embarrassing, and <laughs> I I love her read on that. Just the the, the dejectedness of this is really embarrassing. <laughs> she just a great great line read by Margot Kidder. Yeah, she really sells it. She's like, I cannot believe I just did this. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, and then they said this these five minutes end with just a brief snippet of the three villains, including our great villain theme with that sting as they're flying through the air. And it ends literally as we have a nice shot of this fisherman who we'll talk about in the subsequent episode uh, watching uh, what the hell is going on. So that's that's the end of uh, these five minutes. Yeah, I I do enjoy their synchronized flying, though. I mean, they're very yeah, they're they're (laughs) all flying in the same way and they all move their arms out and they all come in for a landing almost the exact same way. It's very, you know, it's very MGM, you know, 1940s musical uh, (laughs) right there. So it's very nice. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) never never thought of it that way. But yeah, I guess so. It would be there. They're all they're all in sync with each other, which is nice. So. Uh, well, that, that is going to do it for this episode of Superman 2 Movie Minutes. Of course, uh, if you want to leave a comment, go to the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com, and tell us what you thought of these five minutes of the movie. Uh, you can go to Twitter, uh, and it's at SupermanMoveMin. Uh, and you can, of course, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher and other places like that. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, you'll have to come back next week as the adventure continues with Superman 2 Movie Minute. Bye. Bye. Good afternoon, Mr. President. Sorry I've been away so long. I won't let you down again.